Deezer Originals Now It's time for Strong and Stable 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 Strong. Welcome to Extra Strong, Extra Stable, the Extra Strong bonus bit to Strong and Stable, the podcast with all the sticking power of a Tory conference sign. I'm joined by guests Simon Evans, Viv Groskop and Tom Walker. And this week we're asking, does satire really make a difference? I believe, of course, that it does, as I speak to you from my alternative reality, where Hillary Clinton became president, Brexit never happened, and Nick Clegg is no longer an MP. No, actually, that one worked. There's a, there's a great quote, actually, from Peter Cook. Uh, I don't know if you know this quote, team. When, when he opened his club, the establishment, in 1961, a satirical club, and he said it was a satirical venue modelled on, quote, those wonderful Berlin cabarets which did so much to stop the rise of Hitler and prevent the outbreak of the Second World War. And I sort of love that because it's like, you know, we, we, you know we've got some big hittings. You know, Tom, you know, Jonathan Pye was, you know, is a significant hitter in the satire world. We've got comedians around the table, but do we make a difference? Does it? Matter? Let me start with you, Tom. Do you think you're? It was quite interesting when this all started with me. People kept asking me or telling me, "Do you not think you have a responsibility to blah blah blah?" And that normally was uh, came after someone disagreeing with me. So what they're basically saying is, "Do you not think you have a responsibility to um, reflect what I think?" To which my answer would be, "No, I do not." Mm. Um, but actually, when the election was called, I thought this would probably be my only election in in high mode you know if i'm well, still around one in about a month but so yeah yeah you know you know but but so i thought well what can i i do and i did um specifically worked on um voter registration and and really pushed that particular video and i work out that i mean that was seen by 10 million people if you take five percent of that you go well that's some people have registered if most and as a labor supporter personally um i uh, very carefully uh, ensured that people were looking at arguments. So I worked with a p- people called Vote for Policies, which is a really good thing that it's not about personalities, looking at blah, blah, blah. And you go, well, I guess that made a difference, mm. you know. Um, so in that respect, uh, it was the only time I sort of thought, let's, you know, I've got six weeks here. Let's try and see if I can be a force for good in a way. Well, re- everyone's re- really, been looking know, at the Russians um, and Cambridge Analytica and mm. they should be looking at you and who's been influencing <laughs> the voting pattern. I might be talking bollocks and it might have been four people that voted well, you. No, I, you I, know, I think, um, you know, I've known the young people that I'm around because mm. some of them I created, mm. two of them, mm. um, you know, the, you, you were an influence, which is... So, so Viv, do you think that uh, satire can make a difference? I've been making a documentary about Russian satire called It's Just a Joke, um, 100 Years of Russian Satire. And... I've been asking loads of Russians about their favourite jokes and whether they think that kind of satire supported the system or undermined it. And it's so interesting because they just can't answer the question. And there are lots who were dissidents in the 70s who were arguing that that was their only way to fight back was to make these jokes or satirise the system. Lots and lots of jokes about corruption, um, shortages, all of those things. But then there were other people who were arguing that, in fact, that was just a safety valve And it becomes like a shared, because humour is a shared bond and it makes you want to continue the status quo. So I really felt really ambivalent about it by the end that 
I loved all of this satire and thought, oh, that's so clever and brilliant and it's undermining Stalin and all of that. But in the end, it, it did help it all to continue as well because it creates an identity and a culture. And also, once you laugh, you're less angry. Once you've, you've vented, that's, yeah, that's the and theory. That's yes, exactly but you can, the point but of ridicule's the a great way of, of one, surviving. Uh, Humour is a great way to survive. But also, two, I mean, you know, I mean... I think we invented, you know, Hitler is only got one ball. We, invent, we in, invented that really early on um, in the war. To, it, it totally undermined him. He became think, a joke. Think, but, but do you um, think he was going, I must now invade, because this is how he spoke, <laughs> yeah. I must now invade Sweden because they sing about my unitesticular status. Well, you know for a fact that Trump would react that way. Yes. You know for a fact that he would. Yes, um, yes. Uh, just to, um, so, sorry, just talking about, as we come on to Trump um, and satire and, and how it can be useful, the best... Trump is impossible to satirise, in my... It, from what I do, he does it all for me. So mm. I can't actually... It's You just end up calling him an orange Dorito in a, you know, with a stupid hair, and that's all you can kind of really do with him. But what Peter Serafinowicz does with the... I don't know if you've seen this, sassy the sassy Trump. Trump mm. sassy it, Trump. it is so simple so simple probably very hard to execute but it's so simple and it makes you listen to his words like you don't do when you listen to him speaking normally it i I find it useful to to you suddenly understand how little he is saying and how inarticulate he is and just by very very simply redubbing the voice i think it's the best bit of satire on but i mean the question is and then what happens, you know? But but let me bring Simon in because I've not brought you in yet. Simon, what's your? Thing? No, I, think I was very interested listening to Viv talking about about the Soviet Union there and the history of satire through Russia because I, I always remember the uh, this very sort of mordant sense of humour under the entire history of the Soviet um, regime, which reminded me actually of the sort of sense of humour which prevailed in the trenches and um, and generally in in the, the armed forces under fire, which is is about preserving your sanity. I mean, I think there are two very different kinds. You can talk about the kind of use of satire to try and get people to vote for Jeremy Corbyn as a ga- or to register to vote in a general election in the 21st century. That's quite different from the maintenance of an understanding of what is actual reality. You know, people like Milan Kundera or whatever would write very intelligently about this. The, 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 the difficulty, the, the endless challenge of maintaining, you know, your ability to see that 2 plus 2 equals 4, to use the famous example, you know, the Orwellian nightmare that some people actually live under. And in those situations, satire is genuinely a lifeline. It's, 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 it's fresh air. Yes, you know, it's it actual can, oxygen. You, you know, you can go, my God, you see it too. You can see, you know, there are great jokes, you know, often about talking horses and things, you know, in, in, in that come out of... Mm. Uh, from underneath the Soviet Union, which are, which are, which are absurdist. They're not like... Oh, clever jokes about Theresa May, you know, falling off a podium or something. They're they're about the attempts of the of the regime to reframe reality until you lose all sense of your I, own. I, th- I think it's know. that thing as well. What it achieves sometimes within it's like education for education's sake sometimes, or, or it, it 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 helps you to understand it. So if you look at say, I'm just writing the book that's uh, released today. Um, uh, I do I do a um, nice, there's nice a chapter work. about Kim Jong Un. And very quickly, it becomes this sort of essay, if you will. It's a series of very serious essays about 1984. Um, if you want to understand North Korea, just read 1984. And 1984, you could you obviously argue that that is a piece of satire mm. because it's shining a light on something. It's really entertaining, genuinely funny, and it helps me to understand 
the real world. I mean, I mean, North Korea is 1984 mm. today. It, I mean, it just simply is two plus two equals five. Um, which is that's useful. Stalin, that, that's that, that's, that, that is a, a useful. I suppose tool there's, there's to two to different two something. different areas of satire. There's the, the satire that brings people together and gives them a sense of community mm-hmm. faced with the uh, authority. Which is, I, I mean, I, I'm, I I would draw on like the Holocaust human. There was a huge amount of whether you call it satire, I don't know, but it's certainly there are jokes. People were making jokes in the camps. People were making jokes in the ghettos. There, there's one uh, joke. I'll give you an example um, from um, I think this is before, this is sort of in the 30s before the war but um but it's still uh, uh relevant so there's a, a jew is out in the fields uh, and hitler drives past in his car and he sees this jew and he uh gets out and uh he makes the jew at gunpoint gets a, hitler gets a gun out and makes the jew eat a cow pat uh you know and he's laughing and he's laughing he's like hitler's laughing so much at this jew eating a cow pat that he drops his gun and the jew grabs the gun and he points it at hitler and he makes hitler eat a bit of the cow pat uh, and then goes on his way uh, and he goes home the jew goes home to his wife and she says uh, have you had a good day and, she, and he said yeah yeah it's been all right oh you never guess who i had lunch with um, <laughs> and, and that is you know that is an actual joke from yeah. those days and that brings people together against uh, authority but but i think what's of interest or is is this whether you, whether it makes a difference with the what's what's her name melissa mccarthy and her impression of sean spicer you sort of think that ridicule killed him to such a degree on Saturday Night Live that he, he ended up going. So it, it did make a difference. But the danger is that normally you laugh at things, you know, and we're all on Twitter going, ha that's really, we've really taken the piss out of the Tories there. But it's, it's, it doesn't change anything. It makes us feel we've done something. The Sarah Palin impression finished her off as well, I think, didn't yeah. it, to a large extent? Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Sometimes these, these things do land. Yeah. But yeah. that came full circle with Sean Spicer. There was all that debate when he appeared, was it the Emmys? Yeah. And yeah. lots of people were having hilarious selfies with him. Oh, and he's the, embraced his the own The hair joke, ruffling yes. thing, yeah. you know, yeah, with yeah. Trump, and it makes you realise that satire very easily becomes cosy. And I feel that there's a, that's what's happening with Boris Johnson. Or it's always that you know it's mm. supposed to be it's funny a, and a bit dangerous, but actually we're all in this together. Jonathan Co wrote a very good piece a few years ago about um, the danger of allowing Boris Johnson onto "Have I Got News for You" and yes, being, yeah, uh, yeah. being seen as a, a sort of figure of fun, mm. which it's just um, it, yeah. yeah breaks down the fences. Which, which he uses at any time, and, yeah. and it's really dangerous. There's something really interesting about satire. It's a little-known program that you might not have heard of, but um, the day to day, which was obviously a satire on news. <laughs> the Jewish right. guy in that was so good. Yeah, one of them yeah, was yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, but at the time, you kind of went, "Well, it's it's that wonderful exaggeration of of, of the news," and you in, in and by virtue of that, it was just it helped you understand the news and how preposterous it was. But actually, you watch the day to day now. I mean, it really does stand up, but it feels a lot less of an exaggerated yeah. uh, satire. It, fe- I mean, there are sometimes I'm watching the news and you go, "You've literally nicked that from the day to day." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it, I mean, it, yeah. th- 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 it's sort of this self um, <laughs> prophesizing yeah. kind of, kind well, of self- thing, you know. It's depressingly self prophesizing for me because in the day to day, I did this character, Brant, who was a knee jerk satir- satirical cartoonist. <laughs> yes. and I look at my tweets and I go, this is just Brant. <laughs> <laughs> I've become the thing that I satirize. But yeah, well, we used to have, when we did Friday Night Armistice, which was a yeah. satirical show at the same time with uh, Armando Iannucci and Peter Bainham, we used to 
get angry and write some comedy. And those were different days at the BBC. No one ever said no. We say, we want Gordon Kennedy, a 20-foot Gordon Kennedy statue, and then we want lottery balls to come out of his ass. Uh, See, so that is making a difference. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. Um, and no one said no. But anyway, we used to have a thing where we would go... Um, uh, if we had an idea that we thought was really satirical, we would run around the rehearsal room going, making a difference, we're making a difference. <laughs> and we sort of knew that we weren't. But then sometimes, and especially when the people who were watching, who were like 13 at that age, and they, they say, no, the Friday Night Armistice made me think about politics and made me think yeah. about, like, we did stuff about Ireland and, and the EU, which is still relevant today. And I remember watching Not the Nine O'Clock News, the sketch about... Um, uh, Constable Savage uh, and constantly arrest, arresting a guy because he was black. And in my little white Jewish area, I, I just, uh, you know, I, I just hadn't occurred to me before. And that was like devastating satire yeah. that made me think, right, let A, I want to do comedy and B, let me look outside myself. Well, like, there, there you go. It does have a purpose mm. because it engages people and makes people think and it well, explains things. Spitting Image was supposed to have undone several people's careers, wasn't it? Yeah. Because yeah. the portraits were so accurate and so humiliating. You know, the teeny tiny David Steele, David Steele yeah, in yeah. the pockets. Yeah, yeah. But I wonder if we're... We've seen so much of that now, you know, over over decades, and yeah. now we're bombarded by so much on social media and YouTube, all different kinds of satire that we're slightly inured to it. So you would have something like spitting spitting image now, and it wouldn't be so powerful. No, no, yeah. Um, and I'm also reminded of what lots of impressionists say now, like Alistair McGowan, that it's difficult to lampoon people because we don't have enough of a shared identity and shared language around who these people are. And yeah, is that true? Is... Because because it's like if you look at memes that go viral on on Twitter, if you look at um, what happened at the Tory Party conference with Theresa May's speech, then th- it was like that's what I love about Twitter. It's it's a democratic spitting yes. image. Everyone yeah. can do a spitting image, but it's image. really instantaneous. I think yes, it's disposable. It's which disposable. Is the There's a really in- uh, the, the, the other point that why satire is uh, it's a little bit lost in the in the mainstream is is there is a very uh, prescribed version of left wing that you have to be to be uh, I mean you do to you, host you know, this podcast to host this much. podcast yeah. but I mean you know what was the comedian a few years ago that came out and just went yeah I vote Tory well he doesn't have a career anymore or he does have a career it's as a right wing comedian yeah, you know yeah, uh, um, um, I mean I, I've written a few things for, to go on mainstream TV and they've always been rejected and, and it's uh, because let, they're it, bad. let it go, Tom. Because <laughs> they're bad. No, but the the problem has always been, yeah, we can't mm. we can't do that. And you go, no, no, no. I'm just making a point about, you know, it could have been like we were freedom of speech, or it could have been mm. about, you know, the Colston as we were talking about earlier or something. No, 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 c- mm. can't say that. I, I wrote a bit about um, the Mash Report, and mm. I wrote a piece about that, and it was just ref- taking a look at. Um, qu- the quota system by the BBC and sort of just tearing it up a bit and kind of going, well, you know, and it was just like, what, what are that's you doing? That's what's great now you know, is that um, people like the, you yeah. just have access directly. You make your own thing and you build your own channel and you don't have to answer to anyone. But there yes. are still things yeah. that people don't like to satirise. And you, you're right. I mean, I think the thing, you know, the famous one was when uh, TW3 first mocked Harold Macmillan and mm. that was the sort of birth of modern satire. And everyone was like, oh my God, and no deference shown to politicians. Well, now we're in a situation where anyone will say anything they want about Theresa May or any other elected politician without any fear at all. You would 
portrayed, you know, you quite happily discuss the fact that Theresa May probably has to take delivery of fresh corpses every day in order to remove their skins and drape it over her own lizard-like form. And I will say it quite happily now, and you will probably broadcast it quite happily, and not even fresh cadavers, you know. But, <laughs> but, there, but there are other things which we are all, we are even right now in this room, would not want to touch. Yeah, but you know, and not, we wouldn't even, you yeah. know, there are things you're saying, like, for instance, quota systems, I would not do any material about Islam. I just wouldn't touch it mm. because, you know, I have kids. Mm. Mm. As simple as that. But it is context, you know? though, because what you just said about Theresa May yeah. in this context and from you is funny, whether you like Theresa May or not, whether you want to see her be Prime Minister or not. However, I think what George Osborne said recently about her, which, the, which is that he won't sleep at night until pieces of her dead body are stored in his freezer... Mm. What a delightful man. Doesn't work. That's not why, satire so, and mean, it's not appropriate. It's incredibly weird. We better have St John's Ambulance standing by because I'm about to defend George Osborne. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know how that's going to go. But in a way, if he was here and we, you know, we'd got on and he'd come up... And what, what Simon just uh, offered as a... Uh, as a metaphor, um, George Osborne's metaphor. You, if you like the person saying it, you would be all right. You know, he genuinely doesn't want to do that. Mm. He's just enjoying language. What we enjoyed with what Simon did was the language and the imagery and the nonsense of you enjoyed that. You that was a nice mouthful that you got. And I think I'm not saying some nice mouthful <laughs> of <laughs> Theresa May in George Osborne's phrase, but mm. sometimes it's about the uh, the mouthpiece of the yeah. the piece of comedy and because we don't like George Osborne we we condemn what may be out of Simon's mouth we think oh, that's, that's funny uh, if it was a comic character saying it I might find it funny because the joke would be about you're so angry about this person that you're saying something completely outrageous mm-hmm. but I think in his case it just felt like he was wasn't that a joke it. though I didn't hear it I didn't hear it fresh I didn't hear it fresh but the surely the, the butt of that joke is his own sort of self-immolating resentment isn't it is, isn't it is, is that I that remarkable like joke a, about, about this is like a therapy session for George Osborne <laughs> let's try and understand him let's find out it what makes to him me tick. like you wouldn't say if I was to say I'm not going to rest until I don't know my most hated figure in, in international politics Barack is, Obama yeah to but, well yeah. you know whoever yeah somebody like that Clinton who is uh, until she's chopped up and put in my fridge that's obvious but I would say it about somebody who has been my nemesis I would say it about Jimmy Carr who who <laughs> who took my role as a kind of middle class you know astonishingly callous observer of you know I think we should go around the table and all say who we are happy to say we'd like in our freezer <laughs> There was a time where John Thompson was the person who I thought he was doing really well and I was struggling a bit. Um, But now he's a lovely guy. So why would I do that? Uh, Tom, have you got someone you want in your freezer? I'm 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 at the top of my game, mate. It's uh, (laughs) it's fine, you know. No, I don't. uh, You should actually be put in your pie. Yeah. yeah, Jonathan Pie, that is the image we're trying to. There are plenty. There are too many. Too many. Too many. If I had to have George Osborne in my house, that's the only place I'd want him. On that. That bombshell. Uh, to, and that's it from Extra Strong, Extra Stable. Thank you so much to our guests, Simon Evans, Viv Groskop and Tom Walker. Uh, join us next Monday for more. And don't forget to subscribe to our main podcast, Strong and Stable, out every Friday with the reliability of a frog getting stuck in the Prime Minister's throats, by which I don't mean a Frenchman. That would be inappropriate. Plus, impossible without a visa post-Brexit. Bye! That was Strong and Stable. 
We'll catch you next time. Please subscribe. Deezer. Deezer. Originals.